Good morning. I don't know why, right when I was about ready to say good morning, Travis stands up, takes his shirt off, or not his shirt off, <laughs> takes his jacket off. I got, a little, I got a little nervous about what was going on right there. What's going on, Travis? <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to church. We talk about taking your shirt off and doping. That's what we do around here. <laughs> if you brought your Bibles... <laughs> Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be continuing in a series uh, that we've been st- uh, talking about for a little while, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, which is really kind of the most famous sermon, the f- most sa- famous message that Jesus ever gave. He gave it in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6. He talks about a lot of topics throughout there. Uh, he bounces around quite a bit. He talks about worry, anger, lust, true happiness, judging others, treasure in heaven, oaths, the law, love, prayer, and today we're going to talk about fasting, which, yeah, I know, it, it's awesome. I think all the enthusiasm in the room just left, <laughs> and, uh, and a few other people did too. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about fasting today, whether you like it or not, because it's in there. So let's at least start with the passage. And so Jan Rogers, wherever you're at, would you stand up and read Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18? Go for it. Nice. Thank you, Jan. Those are the words of Jesus. Fasting. Dude, what a weird idea. Is it not? It's totally weird. Why in the world would anybody uh, be hungry and not eat? If they have food readily accessible in front of them, why would you have an appetite and deliberately deny satisfying that appetite? I mean, we live in, the good, in this crazy modern world, and the good life, if I'm, if I'm correct in this, is that we are to satisfy every craving with the shortest delay possible. Like, that is the goal. And so why would anybody do this? Fasting seems strange. In our enlightened world, in our uh, fast food, in our pizza delivery, in our convenience stores, this ancient practice kind of feels a little bit, if you will, out of place. Um, Old-fashioned, maybe even outdated, like a pager or a fax machine, it doesn't seem to fit. And so, with that said, I'm not going to try and convince anybody here that you should fast. I'm not going to tell you that you should fast. You don't want to do this. Trust me. Fasting is for little monks in loincloths who enjoy being uh, miserable. But it is in the Sermon on the Mount, so we better cover it because Jesus talked about it. And so starting with this, we'll start with a guy named Richard Foster. He's a famous theologian. He wrote a great book entitled The Celebration of the Disciplines. And on page 48, here's what he talked about when it comes to this crazy thing called fasting. He says, the list of biblical people who fasted reads like a who's who of scripture. 
Moses the lawgiver, David the king, Elijah the prophet, Esther the queen, Daniel the seer, Anna the prophetess, John the baptist, and Paul the apostle. In fact, Paul the apostle didn't just fast once. Uh, He actually, the day he met Jesus and fell off his horse on the road to Damascus, he fasted for three days after that. Uh, He fasted with the early church when they were selecting and commissioning him to go out on his mission trips. He also fasted every single time he appointed elders at a new church that he planted. So he fasted. Paul fasted. All these people fasted. And I know, I know, you don't need to fast. You don't want to do this. I just need to tell you what's in the Bible, okay? That's all I'm going to do. Foster's list is not exhaustive of all the people who fasted in the Bible. Ezra, the priest, fasted. The prophets, Zechariah, Jeremiah, and Amos, they all fasted. Isaiah called a great fast that would, you know, kind of be connected to social justice or caring for the poor. Israel actually sets a day aside, Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, where all Israel fast and pray for the forgiveness of sins. You guys remember the story of Jonah? He didn't fast. So he actually did not do what he was supposed to do. He actually sent a message um, to Ninevites, and the Ninevites repented. And here's what happened. The Bible says the Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. I think this is amazing. This is a pagan city, and on the very first day that they walk into salvation, where they repent, they call a fast. And in fact, the king issued a proclamation. Here is the proclamation. He said, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. I think this is crazy. Not only are these foreign pagan people just come to faith, they decide to fast, they make their animals fast as well, which I'm sure the animals were not too happy about. In fact, the only characters really in the story of Jonah who don't fast are Jonah and the whale. And the whale kind of fast because he throws Jonah back up after three days. So guys, fasting is all over in the Bible. Jesus himself fasted after 40 days um, where he went in the desert. He was tempted. It said he prayed and he fasted. And the Bible says after 40 days, he was hungry, which is the single most, you know, self-explanatory statement in the Bible. He was hungry after fasting 40 days. And I know, I know it's all over the Bible, but you guys, you don't need to do this. Trust me, okay? You don't need to do this. But if you are curious, in the ancient world, people fasted as well. It was practiced by sages like Confucius. There was, uh, in ancient Greece, there was um, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. They all fasted. They consider fasting to be a helpful practice for human flourishing. Uh, Foster, he didn't finish there on page 48. In fact, he went on a little bit farther. He said, many great Christians throughout church history fasted and witnessed its value. Among them were Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards. Apparently, a lot of Johns like to fast. (laughs) Charles Finney, Mother Teresa, and the Reverend, the late and the great Billy Graham. They all fasted. They fasted, and I know, I know, I know, I get it. You don't need to do this. You really don't need to. This is an outdated practice. You don't have to do this thing. It's strange. It's crazy. But what if 
There is something to this mysterious, outdated discipline. What if fasting, if this practice wasn't just for back then, what if there was some value when it came to fasting for us here today? Friends, I do believe that there is value in fasting. And so I'll spend the rest of my time explaining why. And so let me set up the morning. Here's how it's going to go. I want to walk through the what, the why, and the how. First, I want to talk about what fasting is because there's a lot of confusion about what fasting is. Uh, That's why we don't practice it. That's why you don't see a lot of people practicing fasting because there's a lot of confusion. And then I'll talk about the most important question, which is why. Why in the world would you do this in the first place? And then the third one, probably the details, the practical, how do we fast? So let's start with what is fasting? So technically speaking, here's what fasting is. It is abstaining from physical gratification, typically food, for a period of time. Abstaining from physical gratification for a period of time. Just to be clear, Fasting is not skipping breakfast, right, Uh, because you're running late for work. That's not fasting. Fasting is not a biblical diet. It's not like the holy version of Jenny Craig or Whole30. That's not what fasting is. It's also not just a season called Lent, which we are smack dab in the middle of right now, where typically people will, um, they will fast from something for 40 days leading up to Easter, Fasting is also not a hunger strike. I've seen people use it in this way, where they're like, I need something from God, so I'm going to fast and hold him hostage until he tells me what I need to know. That's not what fasting is. Spiritually speaking, here's what I would define um, fasting as. I would say fasting is a declaration of dependence. It is a declaration of dependence. When you fast, you are physically saying that, Lord, I depend on you. Out of all the things in this world, I depend on you. I don't depend on the things of this world like food. My greatest dependence, my greatest desire, my greatest need is in you, Jesus. And so when you're hungry, physically hungry, it's a physical reminder that God provides all of our needs. He provides all all of our needs. So it is a dependence or a declaration of dependence. Now, some of you might be going, Jake, what do you know about fasting? Because it looks like you've never missed a meal in your life, right? When I first began to fast about 15 years ago, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't want to. I did not want to do this. I did not want to start this practice. And you want to know why? I love food. Maybe some of you do too. I love butter. I love mashed potatoes. I love spare ribs, freshly baked bread, taco night, spaghetti, and a steak medium rare, okay? I love those things. I love junk food. I love popcorn, Sour Patch Kids, hot pretzels, Doritos, Rice Krispie Treats, chocolate chip cookies, and Chick-fil-A, okay? I love Betty Crocker, Colonel Sanders, Mrs. Butterworth, Chef Boyardee, and the Pillsbury Doughboy. These are heroes of mine, people. Heroes. And so it is not wrong to love food. That's not the, not, food is not the issue. In fact, it was God's idea in the first place. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually says, he tells us that we should pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. That's how we're supposed to pray. That's the instructions of Jesus. Food is his idea. But Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone. 
Here's the big point. Our desires need to be disciplined. Even our desires for food, our desires need to be disciplined. You want to know how I know this? I'm a parent, right? And every parent knows that the number one rule of parenting is not give a kid whatever he wants in the moment that they want it. That is not the number one rule. Desires need to be disciplined. And when I first started fasting 15 years ago, I'll tell you what I noticed. First thing I noticed is I got hungry. I got really hungry because I realized that my body insists on having its way, right? It kind of has this grip. I realized and learned that food has this grip on us. And I discovered that sometimes I might use food or drink or some other substance to comfort my flesh or to keep me out of boredom or or fear of of something, or or if I'm concerned about my self-worth, or that I'm feeling empty. Sometimes food would become a comfort in that. And in fasting, I found out, this is crazy, you're not going to believe me, I found out that it is possible to be, have an unsatisfied appetite and still survive. I know, I know, I'm talking crazy right now. In fact, I eventually learned that it is possible to have an unsatisfied appetite and thrive, that it is possible. So what is fasting? You could call it a transfer of dependence, but it is a declaration of dependence upon our need for God, that he provides all of our needs. That's what fasting is. So the biggest question is why should we fast? And here's what's interesting when it comes to this question, because although fasting, I just went through and told you, it's all throughout the Bible, right? Uh, nowhere in there does Jesus say, thou shalt fast. He does not command us to fast, but he does assume that we will fast. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter six. This is where we just read. When you fast, it doesn't say if you fast. It doesn't say you must fast. It says when you fast. Jesus assumes that fasting will be a part of our spiritual lives. Probably a more convincing argument to this is found in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus asked here, he was asked by, um, why his disciples aren't fasting. Right? He's with them. They're not fasting. Jesus is asked this question. How come the Pharisees are fasting? How come John's disciples are fasting? Why don't your disciples fast? Here's was his answer. He said, how can the guests of the bridegroom, and so the bridegroom is actually himself. He says, how can the guests of the bridegroom or of me mourn while I am still with them or why he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then, there it is right there, then they will fast. What Jesus is saying is that right now I am with you, but there will be a time, right? Right now I'm with you. It's not a time for fasting. It's a time for feasting, but there will become a time when I will be taken away from you. And at that time, my disciples will fast. Friends, Jesus has been taken to heaven. So the time is now. And who are we? We are his disciples. And so, does Jesus command us to fast? No. Are we sinning if we don't fast? No, we're not sinning if we don't fast. In fact, for some of you, this is a tough topic because maybe you struggle with some sort of eating disorder. And if you do, I'm so glad you're here. Or maybe your doctor, this would not be a good thing. You gotta check with your doctor if you, to do this. But, so you're not sinning if you don't do it, but should we do it if we can do it? 
The answer to that is yes, I think so. There's some more reasons. Here are a couple more reasons I think are a great reason to fast. Number one, fasting trains us to temper our appetites. Fasting trains us to temper our appetites. I'll explain more, but first I want you to watch this video of a very famous study of children where they talk about the ancient battle between appetites and self-control. So check this out. Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you two, another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. So I'm gonna leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? Yeah. You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you to give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You need them. <laughs> I love that video. The children in that study, this is crazy, were doing a tiny 10-minute fast. That was the job. That was the task that they were given. And the children that were over five years old and were able to say no, this is crazy and remarkable, grew up to have healthier bodies, did better in school, were more successful at their work, they had more stable relationships and fewer problems with substance abuse. They learned to practice self-control. Practice. It's something that we're not naturally good at. You have to try it. Fasting is a little practice that God gives us. It is a gift where it helps us to be in charge of our bodies rather than the other way around. Does that make sense? It is a tool, again, a tool that trains us to temper our appetites. It's a tool to temper our appetites. That's one of the benefits. In fact, this principle of training, this is huge. This principle, I learned it from a guy named John Ortberg. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, The Life You've Always Wanted. And it's amazing. There's this principle inside of there, the principle of training versus trying. If you've ever heard of that, training versus trying. The practice of fasting is something that we need to train for. It is a training. So we've all been watching the Olympics right now, and, and figure skating is a big part of that. I could go out. I really could. I feel like I was an athletic person in high school, 
I used to rollerblade. And so if I wanted to go out and do some figure skating and I put on some tights and I went out there and I had them on there, I could try really, really, really hard, really hard. You need to know I'm a pretty motivated person when it comes to my head and pushing through to do something. I could try harder than anybody else has ever tried on the planet. But I'm going to tell you right now, I could not land a quad. If I just went out there and I tried and I tried and I tried, right, I'd probably jump up in the air and I would end up in four pieces, but I'm not going to land in a quad, right? I could try all I want. What you have to do for that is you have to go into training. There's a difference between trying and training and training and trying. We have a tendency to overestimate what we can do by trying really hard and to underestimate what we can do by training, Truly, we truly do. And, and, and true transformation involves training, not just trying. And that's what fasting is. Paul talks about this. He says, train. Train yourself to godliness. It doesn't say try yourself to godliness. Train yourself to godliness. Jesus also says, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be who? Like their teacher. Who is our teacher? It is Jesus. The purpose, this is very important, because a lot of times when you talk about spiritual disciplines, people want to shut down and shut off. But you need to know the purpose between, of, of spiritual discipline, disciplines like fasting. The reason you do spiritual disciplines like fasting is for freedom. A pianist practices the keys they play and practice over and over and over and over and over again. Why do they do that? So when the time comes that they actually play at the concert, they don't have to focus on it, that they don't have to worry about it, that it won't feel effortful. It will be memory. It'll be muscle memory. Same thing for a great athlete, you know? When it came to these figure skaters, they practice the quad over and over and over and over again. They practice their routines over and over and over again. Why do they do that? They train, 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 so that when the time comes, they're ready to do it. It's the same thing with all disciplines, including spiritual disciplines. We practice so that we will be able to do what we need to do in the time that we need to do it. In the moment when it comes up, when we are tested, we will be ready for that moment. Spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. It really is. And which ones that you choose to do depends partly on what you struggle with. So if you struggle, let's just say this, if you struggle with gossip, maybe the practice of silence would be a good thing for you to do. To practice that, to train in the art of, of silence. Or if you, if you tend to isolate, maybe the practice of fellowship is something for you. Or if you're in a rush, 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 go, 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 maybe the practice and the training of slowing would work in your life. Purposely drive in the slow lane. It will not only slow you down, it will also give you the practice of patience. If you drive in the slow lane, fasting is the same thing. It is a means to an end. And so if you have never struggled, this is so important, if you've never struggled with impulse control, if all your desires have quietly wait their turn for the moment, and, and if your appetites for food and for sex and for money and for pleasure and for power consistently say, no, 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 don't gratis, gratify me. I'm okay. I will wait my turn, and you choose the greater value, then fasting probably isn't for you. You got this thing nailed. You maybe don't need to do that. But if you struggle with keeping your desires in check, then maybe 
maybe fasting is for you. Because remember, fasting trains us to temper our appetites. It trains us. Second thing, and probably my favorite reason why you would want to fast. This is for me the big, the big reason. Is fasting increases our intimacy with God. It really does. Fasting increases our intimacy with God. John Piper, he's a pastor, once wrote, the birthplace of Christian fasting is homesickness from God. When we fast, Scripture says that God will reward us, but he may not reward us in the way that we are expecting. It may not come in that answer that you've been praying for. Maybe it will. Maybe there will be that breakthrough. But I can promise you this, it will draw you closer to him and you will get more of him and his presence. And that is a very good thing. When my, it's been crazy at our house. I'll just be honest with you. When it comes to having a new baby and a new house and things are going nuts. And so um, at, my son takes a nap about 1.30 in the afternoon. And my wife, because of the baby, if she can, will take a nap at the same time too. Uh, the other day I was home and uh, I was trying to get projects done around the house, so I was in the garage. And Paisley, I gave her a choice. You could either watch the iPad for an hour, or you could come out and work with me. And what did she do? She watched the iPad, all right? So she, she grabbed the iPad, and she starts to watch it. About five minutes into me working in the garage, Paisley decided on her own she was going to put the iPad down, which, parents, that's a miracle in itself, Right? She fasted from the iPad, and she decided to come down and to join me in the garage. And I was sanding a bunch of trim for the house, right? And I have it all laid out. And I had two sanders. It was amazing. Pacey comes in, says, Daddy, can I help you? And I'm like, absolutely. So I gave my eight-year-old a sander, and I had a sander over here. And we both sanded on the trim as we were going along. And you know what was amazing? It was awesome. It was so great. We couldn't hear each other, so we started singing at the top of our lungs, like Winnie the Pooh. It was amazing. It was so awesome, and we were connecting, and that was like a very special moment, not just between, for me, but I know it was a special moment for her because she still talks about the time when we sanded together. Remember when I, we did the trim? Yeah, it was so awesome. Fasting from something like an iPad that you desire with all your heart, Fasting from food, something that you desire from the inward side of your body, creates intimacy with God. That's what it does. It detaches us from the things of this earth and attaches us to God. That's what it does. It draws us away from the provision, what he provides, and attaches us to the provider. It increases our intimacy with God. Why fast? Because that's what it does. It increases our intimacy with God. That is my favorite reason. So there's a lot of great reasons to fast. So let's talk technical. Let's talk how do you fast? How do you actually go about this? First way to fast is sacrificially. Whatever you fast from must be a sacrifice. And so you're thinking, Jake, wait, whatever you fast from, does that mean it can be more than food? Yes, it can be more than food. But you must remember and not forget the prerequisite that it's got to be a sacrifice. I was talking to a girl who was thinking about giving some stuff up for Lent and fasting from something, and she was trying to figure out what she should fast from, and she was telling me this list of things, and then she all of a sudden got to coffee, right? And she says, but not coffee. I can't do coffee. And I'm like, well, that might be what you should do then, you know? 
The one thing that you think I can't give up, that should maybe be the thing that you should do. You should give up coffee. Now, for me, it would not be a sacrifice to give up coffee. I don't drink coffee. I've never drank coffee. But if you ask me to give up Pepsi for a period of time, we got a problem, right? God never said that in his word, right? He said you could drink Pepsi all you want. About five years ago, my wife saw it on her Instagram feed because she posted it at one point in time. Uh, I gave up Pepsi for a year. I fasted Pepsi for a year. And if you know me, you know that that is a sacrifice. Guys, I drink Pepsi like nobody's business. I brush my teeth with it. It's a wonderful thing, right? And so in that year, I really don't. That would be nasty. (laughs) But in that year, I can tell you this. Every time I had a craving for Pepsi, and it didn't just go away in a month. I had to detox from this sucker. It was crazy. So, you know, my dentist, it's really funny because he'll ask me, are you down to one Pepsi a day? Like, yes, I am. I don't tell him that it's a a two-liter bottle, but I am down (laughs) to one Pepsi a day. (laughs) And so for me, it's a sacrifice. And in that year, I can tell you this, every time I had a craving, it reminded me who my greater dependence upon. It's not upon this physical substance, right? Every time the magnificent logo of Pepsi showed up on a TV ad, you know, all of a sudden they really bothered me. You know when they pour it out and you see the fizzle? Oh, those were hard. Those were so hard. Every time I went to the movies and I drank water with my popcorn, right, I knew my dependence upon God. It reminded me that I depend on Jesus and that he is all that I need. Friends, when you fast, it's gotta be a sacrifice. Fasting is a sacrifice. It will empty you. It will be an inconvenience. It will break you down until there is a breakthrough. That's what fasting is designed to do. And so can you fast from TV? Yes, you can. If that's what is, takes up your time, if that's something that is a sacrifice for you. Can you fast from sugar? For sure. Can you fast from social media? Media, Absolutely. Can you fast from buying glassy babies? I hope my wife would one day. Truly, you can fast from anything as long as it is a sacrifice. Second thing that's got to be is it's got to be in secret. This is interesting. So Jesus did not command us um, to fast, but he did give us a lot of instructions on how to fast. It's exactly what Jan just read. Back to Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, and when you fast, so there's that assumption again that we're going to, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. That was what it was like back then. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that, um, I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your faiths. In other words, he wants you to look normal. Look normal. Then no one will notice what you are fa- that you are fasting, except your father who knows what you do in private or in secret. And your father who sees everything will reward you. The Pharisees, back in the day, history says that they would fast on Monday and Thursday. Does anybody know why? It's not because those were holy days. Those were market days. Those were the days when everybody would gather together to go get their fish and go get their bread and go get their stuff and their supplies. And the Pharisees wanted everybody to see 
the suffering that they were having on those days. But they received their reward. Jesus says that fasting should be something that's done privately, not publicly. Ironically, I have seen a handful of times, too many times to be counted, where people will on Facebook say, you know what, I am fasting from Facebook. <laughs> they, at that point in time, they have received the reward, right? Fasting is a need-to-know type of thing. So if you need to let your doctor know, let your doctor know. Ask them if you can do that. Should probably, if your wife cooks food for you like my wife does, then she, you should probably check with her because if you don't tell her and she makes you a meal and you're like, yeah, that's okay. Let them know. Let only the people need to know in on that thing. So how should we fast? First, sacrificially. Secondly, in secret. And thirdly, this is probably the most important of how, with prayer. With prayer. In the Sermon on the Mount, you'd be shocked at how similar the two passages are between prayer and fasting. They're almost identical in their, in their makeup. But fasting goes together like prayer, like peas and carrots, like peanut butter and jelly, like, you know, uh, chips and salsa. All examples of food right there. You have to have one. You can't have one without the other. And here's why I think God chose food. Originally speaking, historically speaking, it took all day to prepare food, right? You had to go hunt it down. You had to go kill it. You had to go cook it. You had to clean it. You had to, you know, prepare it. Everyone sit down. That's why meals were so important. And so when you gave up meals, what did that do? It provided you with time. Our most precious commodity that we have, that everybody has. And so that's, I mean, that's what I think. That's why I think God said food, you give up this, because then you have time. Time to do what? Time to just sit around and look at the iPad more? Time to do, no. Time to spend with him. Because fasting will empty yourself before God. Prayer will fill yourself up with God. That's why they go hand in glove. It's so that fasting is gonna drain you into your dependence, and then prayer is going to bring you closer to him. And so many breakthroughs have happened in life because of fasting, in prayer because of fasting. I've heard the stories over and over and over again. So how do we fast? We fast sacrificially, we fast in secret, and we fast with prayer. That's how we do it. Like I said in the beginning, you don't need to do this, right? You don't need to fast. But maybe we should. Maybe we should. I will tell you this, it will be hard if you do. It will be hard. From my own experience, it is definitely difficult. In those moments when you want food, especially for those first, that first 24 hours is very difficult. And there's different ways you can do it, different time periods, different things that you can fast. But hopefully what fasting will do is it will heighten, heighten your hunger for God by sacrificing something that is so basic as food or your basic desires. In my experience, truly, it has made a huge difference when there's been times where I have been rocked in my world and things don't seem to make sense. This is something, a practice that I do. I don't do it all the time. Trust me, you can tell I don't do it all the time. But I do do it um, every once in a while, especially when I'm feeling distance from God. And he always seems to show up. So should we fast? It's up to you. But according to what Jesus says, it's a good idea when you look at his word. Let's pray.